Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you get a peace of mind about your financial future. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business or HR leader and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you attract and retain that top talent, we can help. Check us out to build a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, back again with my co-host, Al McDonald. Al, happy Friday to you. What are you saying? Thank you. As always, very excited about our podcast. And I would be remiss if I didn't give a big shout out to all the people who have helped me already exceed in the middle of my great cycle challenge halfway through and I've already exceeded the fundraising target that I set for myself. So I would be remiss if I didn't send out a round of thanks to everyone who's helped out. And uh, I'll be on my bike again trying to reach my mileage goal. Good for you, Al. We'll be cheering you on. And yes, I agree. Thank you to everyone who is supporting Al. Yeah, it was quite a success last year. And Al tacked on, maybe unknowingly, tacked on about 100 kilometers uh, more this year. But good for you, Al. Uh, <laughs> like to see that you're doing that. Well, I am super excited about today. And people who listen to this podcast regularly will have heard me say one of the greatest side effects of this podcast that I didn't realize in the beginning, because it was a branding exercise, at least in the beginning, was the people that I get to meet and then subsequently the introductions that I get, because I've come to believe and know that really good people know other really good people, because it's happening pretty consistently now. So I got to send a huge shout out to former podcast guest and colleague, and now friend, definitely call her a friend, Joanna Kimiech, because Joanna made a stellar introduction, and our first call was great, so I thought, let's do a podcast together. So with no further ado, joining us today is Jafar Owenity. Hopefully I said that right, Jafar. Now, well, he'll correct us when we get there. He is the co-founder and CEO at, at Barley. Barley is a compensation management software that's fast, transparent, and unified. Barley helps companies make pay decisions every day by combining pay brands, compensation reviews, pay equity, and candidate benchmarking into one single easy-to-use platform. Welcome to the show, Jafar. And of course, I butchered it, so can you please correct me? Well, first off, thanks so much for having me. And the last name is pronounced Owenadi. There we go. I'm good at some things. Maybe pronouncing names isn't my, my name has set. way too many vowels. <laughs> it's very confusing. Well, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. I love these conversations, especially with founders of startups or scale ups, as you want to call it, because I just find that life cycle just happens so quickly in your world compared to other businesses. So I thought we'd start there. As a founder, perhaps you can talk to us about how have you seen your role evolve from the early days you know, of, of a startup to now scaling that company? Well, I would say I'm currently in the early days of Barley, but I've had the opportunity to build and scale another startup before this one called Lupio, 
And my role definitely evolved a ton from when I was first getting started to where I was at the point where I, I stepped away from that role. But typically in the very early days, it is true people use that saying of wearing multiple hats, but it's so much more than that. It's literally doing every job and sharing even my current experiences at Barley. We're a pretty uh, small team as we're still growing as an organization. So we're nine full-time employees. And so my responsibilities as CEO include everything from getting involved in product ideation and design alongside my co-founder and our lead product designer. I do sales calls and demos. I'm involved in customer onboarding and support. I run payroll. I coordinate with our accountant on financial reporting, obviously preparing for board meetings. So the context switching is so rampant and going from what you'd consider pretty administrative tasks to shifting to thinking about the most strategic decisions you can imagine, you sort of like flip-flop between those two areas quite consistently in the early days. It's funny, I saw Al nodding his head because I remember in the early days, well, there was four of us to begin with, and then shortly yeah. after that, there's three partners. And we all have different skill sets that we bring to the company. And Al just naturally operations fell on him. So when you were naming yeah. off dealing with the accountant and doing payroll, Al's nodding his head because you're right. In the beginning, you yeah. kind of have to do everything. And that's one of the things that I struggled with as we began to grow a team because I was so used to, from the beginning, handling everything related to benefits or pension sales that... Yeah when I had to delegate and have that trust in the next person that you had hired and you hired them because you do think they can do a good job, but it was sure. very hard for me to step away, but I knew it was important because strategically I had to spend Absolutely. other areas of the business. You need to focus on where you deliver the most value to the business. And sometimes the places where you spend your time in the early days are not adding a lot of value to the business. And you have to figure out how do you outsource it? How do you hire for it? But sometimes you just have to do it depending on where you're at at a stage of business or what your decisions are from where you want to invest your money. I think in terms of what your initial question was, how is that different as you scale? I've seen both extremes and now re-seeing it now as I'm building Barley. But at my latest stages at Lupio, I had four senior leadership team members reporting to me all you know, VP level and above and remarkable leaders that didn't really need that much support to run their functions. They had a lot more experience in those areas than I did myself. But my role was making sure that they were coordinated and driving the strategy. I had an executive assistant who was in my inbox every day, organizing everything. I had a executive coach. You know, you have all these different support systems because you need those team members to ensure that you are empowered to focus on what is most important for the business and in my role as CRO at the later stages of Lupio was making sure we're setting the right objectives, thinking about strategic initiatives that we can do to drive more revenue and getting involved in the most strategic accounts and customers as well. So those are the things that happen at scale and getting there is really the fun part. Jamar, can you talk a little bit about, because you made the decision to leave Lupio and to go to the startup. Can you talk a little bit about why? And also, like, what makes it attractive to you? I'm assuming there must be something attractive to you to kind of you know, go back to that startup phase. And like you say, mm -hmm. wear many hats and sometimes just do the jobs that just have to be done, even though maybe it's not what you would want to be spending your time at. 
it's a pretty big question. I think there's a lot of different factors that influence those kinds of decisions. I think we're socialized as founders to be set up to think about our careers as we need to build a company and we need to be there forever until the exit. And then even at the exit, you almost need to be there to continue to drive the business forward. It's almost like there's never an end for you as a founder. And the reason why that's the case is in many organizations, like a founder's skill set is one that typically does not evolve as quickly as a company evolves. So you're usually not the best VP of sales. You're usually not the best VP of ops. But the really different thing about a founder is you have the ability to hire people who are more senior than you. And so the expectation in some ways gets set that as a founder, you should be there for the whole time. In my mind, I created a separation between my role as a founder and owner versus my job, which is the position that I'm in, the responsibilities that I have, the skills that I'm building, qualifications that I'm getting. And I got to a point where I felt like I had learned so much and I was at a stage where I was really focused on scaling the business. And although I love the organization and there's, it continues to thrive, I personally felt like my values and my areas of interest were around the early stages and building something from the ground up again. And I love that challenge. And building a company in 2023 is very different than building and starting a company in 2015 or 2014 when we first started Lupio. And these are experiences that are so impactful to me as one of my core value is learning and growth and development that you know I find that to be super impactful. And when I think about like my future and what I want to do after Barley, whenever that time comes, it would be either starting another company or focusing more on advising and potentially even teaching. And so how can I advise the next generation if I don't see what it looks like to build a company now? And so getting more at-bats, I think, is powerful. And that's a big reason why I decided to step away and start Barley. You said something in there that I want to ask you a little bit more about. And you said, Mm -hmm. as a founder, sometimes the company can evolve quicker than our own abilities, our own expertise. What would your advice be to a founder, a a business owner who maybe hasn't made that realization yet, or, or they've made the realization, but they just don't want to give it up? Unfortunately, ego always gets in the way. And you know, a lot of people say they don't have ego. Everyone does. I have ego as well. But it's having good people around you that are going to help let you know that maybe it's time for you to let go of a specific area of the business and bring the right person. There's things I hate doing that I'm very, very good at. And there's things I love doing that I suck at. And sometimes you have to do the things that you hate because it's what's best for the business. And just because you love doing a specific job doesn't mean you're the right person for it. And you need to get out of your own way because your obligations as a founder and an owner are towards your other stakeholders. If you're a founder and owner of a business and you're the sole shareholder, fine, be selfish. Do whatever you want and do the job that you like doing, even though you're not great at it or that someone else can do a better job at it. But just know by you making that decision, although you're filling maybe a void from an ego standpoint, you may be also filling a void in your own pocketbook. So like, or not filling the void, I should say, and doing yourself damage. 
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, one of the things we always love about these podcasts is we're running a business and it's great mm-hmm. to hear someone like yourself provide some advice and we take it all in and we go back to the table and talk about some of the things that our guests talk to us about on the podcast. So I really appreciate that. And I appreciate that a lot. And, and one of the funniest things is sometimes if, you know, whether I'm on a podcast or a panel and I share my perspective and my lessons learned, I almost hear my own voice and I'm like, oh, wow, I should listen to myself because I think a lot of us are really great at dishing advice, but not even listening to our own advice at times. And so I find these kinds of discussions, helpful reminders to myself of like, hey, I need to practice what I preach. So true. Yeah, it's so true. And again, just to echo Zal's point, I mean, that's why we do this podcast, right? Because when you're listening to these conversations, it's such a good reminder. And a lot of times we forget fundamentals just about doing the the simple things that are going to you know make that difference. I want to go back in time because I had a conversation with my wife last week and I had made the comment, I'd met another company and I thought, wow, I love their culture. And if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I would love to work at a company like that. And my wife said, like, who are you kidding? You can't work for anybody. Like you've been an entrepreneur since you're 11 years old. So I'm very curious Someone mm-hmm. like yourself, like what's your background? Where did this come from? Why are you not working for one of the big five banks today, for example? Like, where does this drive to build something? Because you even said earlier, you said, I've already thought about down the road, if I exited this company, I would start something else. So where does that come from? It's hard to say. I think in some ways, it's the influences of the people around you. And, and sometimes your influences are seeing things that you don't want, as well as seeing things that you want as well. I should say that my background and upbringing, so I'm an immigrant to Canada. I moved here with my family when I was a kid. I also spent some time in LA before that also, but my family's originally from Iraq. My dad is a PhD in engineering, has always been a career-oriented person focusing on education and post-education as well, and going down that path of growing your career within an organization. I think many of us have influences in our lives where we've seen them sort of grow in a corporate kind of environment. And not many of us have influences that are entrepreneurial. We don't see that as often. For me, my uncle, who's my mom's brother, has been an entrepreneur his entire career and has done extremely well. And I do remember as a kid having family gatherings where my uncle would joke around with my dad and say, hey, uh, you know, Jafar is not going to be like you. He's going to follow in my footsteps and be a business owner. And so those little moments as a child sort of like stand out and stick in your head. And you're like, yeah, you know what? As much as I love my dad and have admired him and his career, and he's been a huge influence on my own career path, I've always had something in my mind of like, but I don't want to do it the same way. And my dad's been very encouraging of that, which is really awesome. And so maybe just bring it into like, why am I not working at a big five? I mean, I worked at one of the big four from an accounting consulting perspective. I'm a mechanical engineer by training. I worked as an engineer for four years, following in my dad's footsteps. I got my professional engineering designation. That was sort of the moment where I was like, hey, dad, like I did it. I'm now going to do whatever's next. And I went and did my MBA in the States and had a really great immersive experience. And one of the parts of my program is I majored in entrepreneurship. And that typically means you'll graduate and work at a startup versus starting your own in many cases. And then after working in management consulting, that's when I decided to step away and start Lupio with Zach and Matt, who are my co-founders there. But I should share that Zach specifically, my co-founder from Lupio, who's currently the CEO, 
we used to talk about starting companies together when we were 18. And even when we graduated from engineering, we'd like nerd out over business ideas and have like little book clubs together. And so again, it goes back to the people that you surround yourself by, like that sort of impacts what you think about and what you want to do with your career. What that was a said, very long answer. I'm sorry. No, but, uh, it was it was really good. Right? And every time you answer, it creates more questions for me. So I'm really excited about this. You just said two phrases that resonate with me, and that's nerd out because I have a relationship. We use a, a CRM that is Mac based, and I become mm-hmm. friends with the COO, and we nerd out routinely. He's in SaaS. I'm in employee benefit sales, so they're very different, but we tend to nerd out. But I find it so interesting to hear. And by the way, we have a similar path. I went into business with my dad. It took me a few years. I went to one of the big insurance companies and worked there and cut my teeth as it were, and then eventually came out onto the broker side. So similar paths. You did say something at the top of the podcast about you work with an executive coach. I did, yeah. The timing of that is interesting because Al and I, I still have two sessions left with my executive coach. And one of the things that I had said to people who asked me is, why do you work with a coach? You seem to be successful. And I said, you know, it's sometimes a coach can see around those corners that you can't see yet. And Al had made the comment because he had finished off his sessions with his coach. And he had said, wow, I got so much value out of there. And I think what Al was saying between the lines is he wants to work with that coach again. So maybe that's a a different discussion. Good pickup. (laughs) From your perspective, because I'm hearing about your education, I'm hearing about your MBA, the work that you've done very smart person. I'm sitting here listening to you going, why does this person work with an executive coach? So I'm curious if you'd be willing to share that with us. I don't think education stops. I think that's the first thing. You're not going to finish a degree or a certification and then be like, okay, cool. I'm good to go. I think in order to be successful in any career path, whether it's a career or even athletics, like people don't stop evolving. I think regardless of where you're at in your career, having people around you that can support and guide you is absolutely critical. If you think about someone who's a new grad and trying to get their footing and figure things out, their coaches are typically their parents, their older siblings, their friends, or even their friend's parents, or they may be proactive and seek out mentors and things like that. And people who typically surround themselves with those individuals do really well in their early careers and springboard and beat everyone else. And it's like, oh, I wonder how they did that. It's because they learn from other people. And I think for founders and leaders within businesses, having that third party who in some ways can form almost like a therapist-based relationship is really helpful. You can think through different scenarios and have someone who is not within the business and deep in it to share a counter perspective. It helps you build empathy around the challenges and the people you work with. Our businesses are all people-centric. So I think a a great executive coach is people-centric as well and thinks about the human side and just being able to create more awareness. I mean, a lot of the work I did with my first executive coach, I've actually had two, was doing self-assessments, going through my own career journey, doing 360 assessments with the people that I work with, identifying my strengths, areas that I can improve, and then having just a subset of areas to work on on any given quarter and just creating awareness. I had a post-it on my monitor that had my three focus areas and it allowed me to continue to hone in on those areas of development. But yeah, that's why I think a coach is really helpful if you can afford a coach. 
but coaches are really expensive. And, you know, you typically have two sessions a month. They're maybe like an hour, an hour and a half long, and you're spending quite a bit of money in order to bring in that support and that advice. And to me, you have to be at a certain business stage in order to justify that. Yeah, exactly right. I can really relate to a lot of the things you said there. And I want to swing back and ask you a question related to something you said earlier, but you alluded to it in that answer as well. And it was all around learning and development. You said that that was actually one of your you know, core values was learning yeah. development. And then and you my personal about, core value, not necessarily a business value. Right, exactly. And then you said also in, when you're talking about the coach, that how it helped you identify some of those areas for learning and all that kind of stuff. So it's obviously something that's very important to you. Can you talk a little bit about maybe something that you in your personal life or your career, what are you actively working on to improve? I think for me on the personal side, because we're also working from home a lot, I find that it's much more difficult to create the separation between sort of work life and home life. And so that's something that I need to work on more. And it's funny, I was participating in a panel yesterday that was around building your initial team, but also mental health and entrepreneurship. And I do think for me, I need to find more balance get back to exercising and even find more mentorship or even engage a therapist and things like that, because that's really healthy in terms of creating that balance in life. And so that's an area that I would say I have neglected. And that is an area that I intentionally want to sort of invest in, in the near term. So that is one really big thing for me on the career side, an area that I am focusing on right now is how do I basically let go of more? I think going back to what we talked about in the beginning of the discussion of not letting your ego get in the way, I think where I have some challenges right now is I'm trying to be thoughtful and efficient in our growth. And as part of that, I am taking more and more. And so I need to take a step back and intentionally Think about areas that I can let go of and areas where I should be spending more money in a business standpoint so I can unlock more potential for the business. And so that's something that I'm intentionally figuring out and working on. I used to read books all the time and listen to podcasts. And when you're so deep in it in the early stages, those things sort of fall by the wayside. But we actually did have a company retreat recently. And as part of that, we did decide to do a little bit of like a mini book club. That was a really great exercise. And I find a lot of value in being able to have that sort of like shared discussion as a company. There's some great thoughts there. And Robin, I'm sure will agree with me on this in terms of the title of the podcast, Success Leaves Clues. You left the whole trail of them there. I did really want to highlight you know, what you said about working from home. I'm assuming you're alluding to maybe you spend a little too much time on the work side and not quite enough time on the relaxing and leisure side. That's what I took from that. Yeah. We do have an office as well where team members can come in and work in person. I've been trying to go in more often. And I actually personally, I find it to be really helpful because it's sort of like when I leave the office, work is done. And, you know, trying to have more intense work days and really focusing on like, don't waste any time in the work hours that you've allocated to yourself so that you can truly disconnect afterwards. Because some people's work days, quite frankly, are inefficient. There's a lot of chit chat. There's meetings that are 
just meetings without clear objectives and outcomes. And, you know, a day just flies by and you really didn't do anything. And I think that becomes a big part when people talk about work-life balance. A lot of people who are not balanced and busy are sometimes just inefficient. And I think that's an area that I need to work on in myself as well. That is some great advice. Well, as podcasts begin to come back into your life, you know, we have certainly some good suggestions. Success leaves clues. We've heard good things. So (laughs) feel free to subscribe to that one. No, I'll just add on there. You know, one of the things that I did learn from Al, and I was very guilty of it, I almost had pride in taking my laptop on vacation and being the person in the airport working. And Al demonstrated, and I'm glad Al is the CEO of our firm because I believe things come from the top. And I want people to know it's okay to have separation and you need to have separation from work. And Al's very good at that. And it took me a while to get there, but I'm there. But then the other thing, Jafar, is I think it's really important, especially for owners of companies with skin the game, but for anyone really, to have something and outlet away from work that Mm -hmm. you can get away and work on your physical health that usually ends up working on your mental health. For Al, we've talked about our Zen time. Al is getting out on his bike with no one else. He's not in a pack of other people. He enjoys doing it alone. And that is his Zen time to think. I can't think of much less appealing to me than hopping on a bike and throwing spandex on, but that's (laughs) Al, right? But for me, and you know, people find it surprising because we're on a podcast, but I'm an introvert. So although I engage with a lot of people, I need my downtime and I need that time with myself and that space. So my Zen time is I got a bunch of equipment in my basement. My basement's unfinished. We don't use it for anything else, but I've got all my weight equipment in there. Mm -hmm. So five days a week, I treat my fitness just like a job. Five days a week, I'm down there. And for that hour, I'm not thinking about anything else. Now, back in the day, that used to be Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've had to retire since because I always said to Al, I said, it's very hard to think about anything else and work or stress in your life when people are trying to snap your arm off or choke you. But I don't have that luxury anymore. So now it's turned to weights. But I think it is important to make sure you have that separation and something that you can go to where that time is just for you. Yep, absolutely. I think I should make it my goal now to get Robin into a pair of spandex cycling shorts, even if I can't get him on a bike just to get him. Just the shorts. Yeah. You know, people have heard one of my favorite sayings, if a life (laughs) is worth living, it's worth recording. And I post a lot of pictures on social media, on LinkedIn in particular. That is one picture I can guarantee you're never going to see is Robin Bailey in, in, in spandex. So let's see if that holds true. Well, this has been a great conversation. We've arrived at the point where one of my favorite parts is Al's signature question. And let's see if Jafar is up for it. All right. We'll see. So Jafar, here's the question that we want to end off on. Mm-hmm. And it is a society grows great. When old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any proverbial trees that you might be planting? Yeah, I think as a founder, one of the trees you plant is the business that you're building. And, you know, when I think Lupio as an example, that's a company that I built over eight years alongside my co-founders, Zach and Matt. And that business today is 300 people and growing. And there's been a number of people along that journey who are not there today who have been impacted in their own career development and growth and learning and are on to do more amazing things at companies. There's a number of people who joined Lupio who were relatively entry level in their career or intermediate. And today they're VPs at other organizations and they're helping to scale them. And I think that kind of impact 
can continue to grow well while I'm gone. And I see Lupio as a company to be there for a very, very long time. And similarly for Barley, building this business to address the challenges when it comes to compensation, I truly believe in our mission. And I think we're going to be able to make some big impacts on challenges and things like pay transparency and pay equity, and hopefully continue to drive those impacts well after I'm gone. I think there's other trees that I want to plant that I haven't had a chance to start doing. And a lot of times I actually don't think too much about the idea of legacy because sometimes I think legacy can be selfish because it's about thinking about people remembering you when you're gone. And for me, it should be less about me as an individual, but more so things that I can help put in place and potential impact that can be made that will really transcend into many other generations. And for me as an immigrant, I've seen the impacts on other immigrants and the challenges they've had to succeed in a country like Canada or in the U.S., and I'd love to do something in that space. And so that's one tree that maybe I have the seedlings, but I haven't had a chance to plant it yet. Well, I will say we always get very different answers. They're always very good. And I really appreciate that. And uh, for someone who just had that question sprung on them, that was a very thoughtful, well thought out answer. Awesome. Thank you. Well, that is a great spot to wrap it up on that note. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at Barley? Yeah, I mean, you can get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Jafar Oinati. I'll leave that to you to figure out the spelling. <laughs> uh, and I can also be reached by email. You know, if I put my email out there, it doesn't matter because everyone somehow figures out how to outbound me. So it's just Jafar, J-A-F-A-R at barley.io. All right, cool. Well, that does it for today's episode. As you can tell, we really enjoyed this conversation. As always, we hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And as we've seen here today, success leaves clues. See you next time.